This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the PowerCat Podcast, GoPowerCat.com's Kansas State Athletics Show. Now, here's your host, GoPowerCat publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to this week's edition of the PowerCat Questions Podcast. Tim Fitzgerald, Zach Carlson, Ryan Gilbert, right here in the Cats and Dogs studio in the heart of Manhattan, Kansas. We're sponsored by The Fridge Wholesale Liquor. Make sure you go to The Fridge. I don't have any formal reads for them. I will just weep openly with my joy and love for the people at The Fridge. If you need something for your party, your tailgate, your bowl bash, your Super Bowl party, even though it won't involve the Kansas City Chiefs or the Pittsburgh Steelers, hey, go ahead and go to the fridge. They'll take care of you. They'll get you hooked up. They have great, knowledgeable employees that will help you with your wine selection, your bourbon selection. Um, you want some champagne to, uh, you know, celebrate that win over Villanova, the spectacle that it was. Make sure you stop into the fridge and say hi to Kevin and the gang. They are great people right here in the middle of Manhattan, Kansas, at the corner of this and that, which is what actually, Zach? Westport in Claflin. There we go. Welcome to all of the new subscribers at uh, Go Power Cat. We had a sale recently and grew like crazy. We're currently having a 60% off sale. It ends tonight at 11. As of now, we might we might get it extended. We haven't fully discussed that yet, but make sure you're subscribing to Go Power Cat. This is the time you need to subscribe. If you've been blindsided by anything going on in the K-State sports world, you probably need to be on Wabash Station where people are much better plugged in and you, they know what's going on. You could have been blindsided three days ago. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You're not, it's not a matter of not being blindsided. It's just when you yeah. get blindsided first. Exactly. And welcome to anyone who doesn't typically listen to this podcast, who's tuned in for reasons that I can't fully explain. Uh, but uh, welcome to the angry Irishman ranting. And uh, this this podcast might be filled with edits and my friend Zach, who is my human filter, saying, you can't say that. I got a lot on my mind today. And we got some great questions about K-State sports. And I don't want to lose sight of the fact that Kansas State did beat Villanova. The crowd was amazing. Only a fool would lose track of that and, you know, and get wrapped up in anything else that happened last night. But it it was an incredible thing. And um, the student section was amazing. It really was incredible. That was a great basketball game and a great sign that K-State uh, is kind of coming to shape. They got still got a long ways to go with consistency, but that looked like a Jerome Tang team to me, and they certainly played really good defense. We'll get into that. Had a little bit going on on the football side. Yeah, it's a little bit. Just a little bit. Uh, you know, we've all had that friend that joins a cult, um, and, and that's apparently going on right now. 
we're worried about him, but we love him. Just, just don't take anyone with you. Do you think he does the dance at the press conference? I, I gotta be honest. I texted Colin, uh, Klein. If you're not up to speed on that, I don't know what to tell you, but I texted Colin this morning and said, congratulations. You deserve these good things. And, uh, the cheerleaders, the male cheerleaders still creep me out. <laughs> They're weird, man. <laughs> They're weird. Did he say thank you? He hasn't responded. I imagine he's got about a thousand texts. <laughs> or or he threw his phone away and AM gave him, you know, like the the twenty thousand dollar iPhone. Here, we have these sitting around for everyone. God, wouldn't it be great to to be part of a university that has endless resources and can spend money like it's not a thing? Because I'll never know that. Well, let's go look for oil. Please, everyone play the lottery. I'm already losing my voice. We just started this podcast. It's not a good sign. Um, but let's let's put a few things on the table here before we start. These poor guys got to sit here and listen to me. Um, Colin Klein is headed to Texas A&M. No, it's not a Notre Dame situation. He's not undoing this one. Um, we still don't know the terms of what his contract will be, but there are rumors that will be possibly, possibly making him the highest paid assistant coach in college football history. Um, we don't know if that will come to fruition, but there's talk about that. We'll see. And, you know, I find it interesting. He passed on Notre Dame. He passed on Penn State. I cannot verify that the report from the Houston media that uh, he was offered the Penn State job. I know there was interest, but I don't know if I ever got to him and, you know, formal job offer. They hired a great offensive coordinator. Um, and so that's going on with the backdrop of everyone worried that the quarterback coach who recruited Avery Johnson will try to steal him. I will say two things on that topic. One, I don't see any possibility of that happening as I sit here right now. From what I know at this moment, God knows I know that everything can change. That's not happening. But I will back this up. And as much as I love Colin Klein, if he plays any role in damaging this program by intentionally taking a quarterback the only scholarship quarterback K-State has at this juncture, uh, he's never going to coach here again. I mean, fans will turn on him. And people should fear the fans of Kansas State. They love their university. They love their athletic department. They love these coaches. And if you mess with them, you're going to have hell to pay. That's for our new listeners. Let's get to the questions from Wabash Station. Ryan Gilbert, are you ready to read? I am. Read well, young man. Read well. From I Am The Fish, <coughs> if you could have your choice of possible Sorry. Colin Klein replacements, who is in your top five? Colin Klein replacements. Uh, Realistic or wish list? Uh, let's see. Jake Waters, he 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 replaced him. Jesse Ertz replaced him. Skyler Thompson replaced him. Um, Will Howard replaced him. Oh, and... and is this Joe Hubner slander right now? <laughs> Damn it, Joe Hubner. <laughs> uh, you know what? I it, I don't know. I, I'll i be honest here. Uh, if you're talking about uh, an offensive coordinator replacement, look, I think it's going to be Connor Riley. I just think it – I mean, it certainly will be for the bowl game. Um, but at, you, you don't always look outside your organization for answers. If you feel like your organization is succeeding and doing things the right way, you stay in-house. You stay the course. And I think it'll be Connor. Now, as for quarterback coach, that, that opens up to a wide 
variety of people, but probably in the history of college sports, no true freshman athlete has had more power in the hiring of a coach than what Avery Johnson does. Because, I mean, I'm, I mean this sincerely, Avery isn't the only quarterback on scholarship on the roster right now by chance. He ran everyone else out of the room. I mean, everyone else knew that they weren't going to play with Avery here. He's got that kind of power. So making sure that they get the right guy for Avery mentally, physically, and schematically is really important. And uh, we'll see if that plays out. We do have a hot board up at Go Powercat right now. We do have a 60% off sale. It is behind the paywall. It is the type of thing you get for uh, subscribing to Go Powercat. So go check that out. You might see some answers to that question right there. There are some pretty interesting and intriguing um, candidates because our Ryan Wallace goes to sleuthing like nobody I ever knew. I'm telling you what, if you... Uh, ever shook hands with a guy in a parking lot somewhere in Piscataway, Ryan Wallace will find that connection and put you on the hot board for that guy. Yeah, it's just amazing the connections he finds between coaches and and systems and all that stuff, but that's on display right now. Go park out for our subs. So, But, yeah, they'll find a really good quarterback coach, believe me. Avery isn't just going to be fun to play with. He would be fun to coach and get credit for I, I seem to remember uh, there was a coach for the Patriots who got a lot of credit for uh, Tom Brady and got a lot of jobs out of coaching Tom Brady. Not that Avery's Tom Brady, but um, <laughs> so screw it. Let's, we're both, we're all dying in here. Uh, <laughs> um, let, that, that's it. Charlie Weiss. That's that's my final answer. Hire Charlie Weiss. Wally wouldn't let me put my candidate on the hot board because he said we'd get laughed out of the, the network and – he was right, but it I, would have been a troll within a hot board because it was, it's it, it actually is a tangible person, like, but it just won't happen. <laughs> like you have a guy who's a who's an offensive analyst at USC. He's been a head coach before in the NFL and the NCAA, and he's coached Patrick Mahomes and he's coached Pat, or, uh, Kyler Murray and Caleb Williams now. No, Cliff Kingsbury is not going to take this job or even be offered or enter the realm of conversation. But it There's was for good fun. reason. I'm the pretty one around here. <laughs> Cliff Kingsbury can't come in here with that great hair and that fit build. This got creepy. Look, he, his name came into my mind for about 10 seconds. And I was just like, he wouldn't do this. <laughs> Plus, K-State wouldn't do it anyway. So K-State relocated to what thailand or wherever he went right? <laughs> maybe he would well that's right he moved didn't he he's in southern california now, uh, now he's at usc is he really yeah well that's where he is that's kind of like thailand I don't, I don't even know what that means but uh i gotta say this folks with all all sincerity if anyone would buy out my contract for like 10 million dollars not even like 75 jimbo dollars i would probably uh just disappear. I wouldn't go to Thailand, but I would be the crazy old guy in Key West that never wears a shirt, despite his, his back hair and belly, and then has also gone bald, but yet uh, still has that ponytail, that long gray ponytail that hangs down to his butt crack. It's going to take a while, but I'm going to get it done. Like Attitude Era, Paul Heyman ponytail? I don't even know what that means. Somebody knows. 
good. Are you glad you're listening to this? Aren't you glad? Oh, my gosh. Let's move on. From Eric Schneid, who do you think is calling plays for the bowl game now? Oh, it'll be Connor Riley. Uh, there's just no, yeah. there's no way it's not. I mean, let's stop and talk about this. You have Connor Riley. Yeah. You have Matthew Middleton. Yeah. You have Brian Anderson. Brian Anderson. Who, who might be able to Maybe. do it? But you I have the other Brian, it. Brian Lepak. Oh yeah. Who's have, a very, very intelligent guy. But and you have Chris Kleiman. He's a defensive coach. But he's the head coach, and he may just want to have his day in the sun. <laughs> Oh my God! Yeah, I just can't imagine. Can you? I mean, I, I would swear. I think defensive coaches would be good at calling plays because, look, what what do I least want right now? What would really screw up a defense right now? I mean, it might be an interesting uh, move, but I think Connor Riley will call plays. Yes. Now, I I am sincerely, seriously worried about. The workload of being the only offensive line coach. He coaches five positions. Nobody on this team comes on this coaching staff comes close to the responsibilities of the offensive line coach. And maybe that's something if Connor's going to be elevated that will need to be addressed. You know, maybe you move the fullbacks if they even exist anymore over to Brian Anderson. I don't even know if there will be a fullback and the tight ends and tackles. Maybe you're lumped together like some programs do. And so you get some help on the offensive line. That's where you're going with that. So that is my concern is calling plays is a chess match. And if you're also having to worry about your offensive line and he's got he's got an analyst and he's got, you know, some people that can maybe help him. Uh, but, yeah, that's that's a real, real seriously serious concern that there might be too much on his plate. Yeah, but for for Connor Riley, I think even if Colin wasn't leaving right now, I think that Connor's probably number two on everybody's list as far as who can go take another job at a top twenty program, and you know, very well could take an offensive coordinator position at you know any place in the Power Five probably. So I think that this is the perfect promotion for him. I think it's probably similar to what Joe Klanderman was a couple years ago. Um, I think he'll do well, but you know, he's, he's put in his time, he's earned it and you know, we'll see what he can do. Looping back to the first question. Um, if it, you know, if it is to be Connor Riley, uh, calling the plays, this would be a nice test run. Like we saw in 2021 with Kleiman as the interim in the Texas bowl over LSU. And so if things go well, if things go smoothly and incline or excuse me, Kleiman likes what he sees from from Connor Riley, then that's pretty much the icing on the cake for that potential offensive coordinator job, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's uh, he knows football extremely well. Is his personality fit to be an offensive coordinator? I mean, that's a legitimate question. Uh, he's he's an offensive line coach. <laughs> I mean, if you've watched, let's say, uh, Lord of the Rings, he's he's the what are they? They're not trolls. What are the, what are those guys with the sledgehammers and they're grumpy and they, they've got beards. That's kind of right. Quit looking at me. I don't know what this reference I'm is. I'm too young for this guys. I'm so sorry. Oh my gosh. But Riley Please. is an animated figure. Yes. Do you think he's going to be excited that he gets to swear at more guys or disappointed that he doesn't get to swear at his guys, the that's, offensive line oh, as that's, much? That's a really good question. I think he probably, um, he, he needs to learn that, um, He's no longer working with the laborers. He's now working with the artists, and they need a different kind of 
motivation. That makes sense. Like, you know, there's a little, little fragile on that side. It's that's the way it is nowadays. It used to be that way. Uh, but yeah, the offensive linemen love him. And I think that's the bottom line. You need to know from our good friend pickles. What pickles. I was waiting for that. There you go. Man. What position needs do you see in the transfer portal? Uh, probably an offensive lineman, offensive tackle, maybe a receiver or running back. I, it depends on how they feel about those young running backs. That may not be a concern. Um, Defensive end, almost certainly yes. now with Matlack's departure. Uh, which, by the way, I'm, we might get to this, but no. that—that's the only one that they're really worried about. I mean, that I can tell. Uh, everyone that's in the portal, they knew they were going to go into the portal. Will Howard's getting paid, or honestly, the portal works two ways, and they were ushered that direction to open up scholarships. Or I know you started most of the season but we finally have had enough of you not learning from your mistakes and not being held accountable and thinking it's all about you. Here's the door. Um, you might be a hot commodity on, in the portal, but you're someone else's problem now. That happened with one player. So, But, yeah, I think defensive end, and uh, as always, they'll look in the back end of that defense. They've done a pretty good job of supplementing at safety and corner, um, although they did kind of strike out a little bit. They, they've made some mistakes with uh, – um, honestly, with junior colleges, Kobe Savage is the bright exception to that. Uh, but as of late, some of these junior college guys just have not panned out. Um, and and honestly, Kobe again is the exception in the fact that he was a really talented kid who wasn't in junior college because of grades or anything. He you know, he just maybe developed later, but now because of the portal and it, junior colleges just aren't the same. It's just it's not the same as it used to be. So. Um, I'm going to be really honest here. I, I think they, um, um, with the backdrop of everything else going on and the budgets and the talk about needing a $6 million annual war chest just to be in the highest level of college football, which was my topic of the DD today, daily delivery. Uh, K-State needs a few more people in the football office, including a transfer portal manager who was just worried about the portal, who's in there, I'm not talking about the portal involving K-State players. Who's in there that could help K-State get a quick evaluation, get it to the position coach, and get an offer made? They're way too sluggish with this process. They're not keeping up with the pace of the portal, which is hard to do. And that is maybe the most significant advantage of these uh, programs with huge coaching staffs. They've got enough people to get eyes on the portal. They've got to find the equivalent of a journeyman NFL backup quarterback. I, they need something serviceable, you know, not necessarily a starter, maybe even at the FBS level, but someone that's gotten game action, maybe the last couple seasons, spot starter, somebody that, hey, if Avery, for whatever reason, goes down injured, leaves, you know, just isn't, you know, the best option, they need somebody to go in. And, you know, they've got a great quarterback coming in. It'll be a freshman, but having two super underclassmen as your one and two yeah. is not ideal. That's that's why losing, you know, if you lose Rubley, you lose Will, you still had Lara, but you lost all three of them. 
and now you just have Avery left. Granted, you do have Jacob Knuth, which we kind of forget about because of his whole eligibility thing right now for the bowl game, which we think will get cleared up. Um, mm-hmm. I thought Kleiman said that in the uh, press conference. Oh, I didn't even see the press conference because I was in my car yes. driving to yeah, my show. Yeah, said it should be good to go. I think he's. I think he cleared that up. Oh, so. wow! So they're going to get away with the fits. <laughs> I've learned something from my own Grant, website. Uh, Granted, I don't know. I think that Kleiman was speaking more hopeful than in absolutes, but he seemed positive that that would get cleared up. But, you know, probably one more quarterback in that room that's at least played a little bit of college football at some level is is probably where I would look for. Well, that becomes more valuable. I mean, you also you obviously, like you mentioned, Zach, you want a guy that's going to be there if something happens with Johnson, but off the field as a mentor, you know, how much did Avery Johnson learn from Will Howard? Just, you know, being a guy that's been there, done that um, in the film room, all that stuff. And so if you can get a guy like that in the portal, absolutely. It helps if something does happen with Johnson, but to be a, to be a mentor, um, I think Avery Johnson could use a guy like that and getting those game reps that he is going to get next season and, and in the bowl game, obviously that's going to be big for him, but to, to learn and obviously Colin Klein, he's gone too. I mean, with all due respect to Connor Riley, I don't know how much he maybe moves that needle for Johnson's progression just in terms of becoming a quarterback. And, you know, we mentioned whoever that quarterback coach may be, that's going to be a big part in this. But getting a seasoned guy in the portal, that could pay dividends for this team. And it's not it's not a sexy position. You know, why would I want to come here and be a backup to Avery Johnson? But I'm sure there's guys out there that are willing to. Yeah, it, look, I, I, let me go back in the, the way back machine. Um, when K-State went through a transition and, and needed help in their quarterback room, they brought in a guy named Grant Gregory, um, who honestly was supposed to just supplement the ranks. Um, and what was unique about Grant is he was a very knowledgeable quarterback. He was a coach's son. Um, he was you know, he was a good example setter. He was an extremely hard worker. But he also had injuries, and he wasn't as effective as he probably could have been. He basically had no shoulder left, and they did play him because he was such a strong leader that he he was a good option for them. That's exactly what Zach's talking about. Maybe a guy who's been around the block, has had some knee surgeries or shoulder surgery, ain't what he used to be, but still knows the game and can coach and lead. And, you know, you know, for everything we'd want to talk about with Adrian Martinez, at the end of the day, he was a great leader. He was they, he helped that quarterback room immensely. He played a huge role in Will Howard emerging because he wasn't just a veteran quarterback. He was a coach. And maybe trying to find someone like that, <coughs> excuse me, who knows he's at the end of his career. He's not going to play beyond here. He wants to go to a good program, maybe see some winning and be part of something fun. Those guys might be rare. But you knew you do need more bodies in that quarterback room. You can't just have three next year and four with a preferred walk on, as you know, I think we all agree will happen. Having one more guy that maybe as a senior that can come in and say, look, I know I'm third string or second string or whatever string. I'm not first string, uh, but I'm going to improve this room. I'm going to be part of something really cool. And that guy's Ryan Gilbert. Uh, yep. That's our little secret. I know he's a he's a whale of a quarterback. He's quarterbacking this podcast. Go. Last question of the first half is from Hayden. Or I assume it's no, Hayden. I don't Gillum. think it's Hayden. <laughs> Gillum fan at six seven six six three. I assume they're Hayden Gillum fan, right? Oh, well, if yeah. you would hope. Are you a are you a Gills fan? 
I love Gills. He's I great. do too. I'm a I'm a Zach fan. Are you a Zach fan? No. <laughs> wow. Hater. Self loathing. When I ask this question, I'm going to look at you and then look at Zach and then look back at Fitz and look at everybody in the like room. Like Hayden does when yep. he answers Absolutely. questions. Absolutely. Thank yep. you. <laughs> what are your uh, in depth thoughts for next year's offensive line? That's awesome. I don't have in depth well, thoughts. Uh, Avery, Jace, DJ, and a healthy Keegan gives me high hopes, but some big losses on the line worry me. I think this is Gillum asking the question. I really I, do. Yeah. Can <laughs> they possibly funny. replace Hayden Gillum at center? Uh, I don't. Yeah, that starting there, I don't know who the center will be. Um, I don't know if they move someone over. They put, you know, ideally you have, if you have a physical pref, preference, excuse me, presence in your freshman class. Um, the mouth ain't obeying yeah. the commands from the brain. Uh, you you kind of like that. I mean, you kind of like to have an entrenched four-year starter at that position. Uh, if you're overturning your center every year, it's kind of like overturning your quarterback. You'd like to have a quarterback at the line who understands how to get everyone going in the right place. And if they can identify someone like that, a highly intelligent physical player, uh, they might lean into them. You got Panzer who could be the center, but he's proven himself to be a pretty good guard. Taylor Portier will be back. Carver Willis proved himself to be, despite the, uh, the outcry of a talking monkey named Tim Fitzgerald, he turned out to be actually a really good offensive tackle. But he's a right tackle. He's not a left, he doesn't have the the foot speed to be that left tackle or the the long arms and physical presence of a KT Levinston. So finding a left tackle, finding a center are significant worries. They got some dudes in this program, though. They've got some young guys that are really good, but Again, it's like Jerome Tang not wanting to use young guards. You need to be smart at left tackle. Unless someone's exceptional, which we've seen happen at Texas and some other schools, you got to have someone with experience at left tackle. You, you, you're just playing with fire if you throw a, a redshirt freshman out there. But we've also seen that work at K-State, too. So um, I, I think they're going to be fine, but they, they will look in the portal. And if they can find the right guy – um, who doesn't mind being yelled at by Connor Riley? Uh, they, they'll go with it because you you, you kind of need to. You probably need another year for those young guys to grow into the responsibility of a left tackle. Nobody wants a bad left tackle protecting Avery Johnson's backside. I mean, you just can't do that. It's it's a formula for you know toppling your house of cards offensively. I love that BB and. All these guys came back for this season. K-State won eight games, and those dudes had a big part in this. But this question, guys, is being asked because those guys all came back. If they did not come back and these younger guys like you all, you outlined fit, if they all played this season, then the the depth of the offensive line is not going to be questioned nearly as much as it is right now. Yeah, yeah. You're exactly right. And that's not right or wrong, good or bad. I just That's just how it is, though. When these guys come back and leave, you're younger. Yeah, I, I just want to put a little vote in here because I'm sure Chris Kleiman's got nothing to do. He's probably listening to the Powercat podcast. We all agree on that, right? Yes. Um, I had a great suggestion from someone, um, and I know you got a game to win. The bowl game isn't just all fun and games, and you're going to play some young guys in this game. But even if it's like at the end of the game, win or lose, could you get the BB brothers on the line together? Because I think Cooper's playing in this game simply to have another game with his brother, who's not even playing this year because he's a true freshman. But it doesn't affect his eligibility. If you get them lined up side by side, you know, uh, guard and tackle, 
I, I think it would be just a beautiful thing. They didn't use them all year, correct? No. No. I You know, I, a lot of offensive linemen, you just got to get physically stronger. Yeah. You, you, you might. I'm not have, sure if Camden even dressed it. A single game, did he? I don't. I Surely, mean, he I imagine did. he did at home. Unless Down he's on injured. Sidelines, Unless he was been injured in street clothes. Okay. For, but hopefully, if Camden can play, that they'll they'll get a snap off with them because that's why Cooper's still here. Yeah. That's why Cooper's going to play in this game. Look and, forward to Casey Gorilla's comment on this thread. Oh, okay. Uh, and you know, I don't, I don't know. I mean, maybe Camden. I, look, I haven't heard nothing about him. I, I don't know what. The coaches are thinking about him. It's he's just not been a topic this year. But maybe he's a type of guy you might look at it for a long term center. Um, you know, highly intelligent family. Uh, you know, a a family of offensive linemen. I mean, Dad looks like he could maybe step in and play a few snaps. So, um, yeah, I think that might be a solution. But we'll see. It's if there's one thing on this team I trust is I trust Connor Riley to get an offensive line ready to play. He has done it. And he did it this year, and that offensive line ended up being pretty good despite some turmoil along that line early in the year. That's it for the first half of the Powercat Questions podcast, sponsored by The Fridge Wholesale Liquor. I know K-State won, but I think we all need a nice sip of alcohol right now. That was horrible life advice. GoPowerCat.com's Powercat podcast continues after this short break. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome back to the Power Cat Podcast. Welcome back to the Powercat Questions Podcast. Fitz and Zach and Gills right here in an overly warm studio with two dogs that are sleeping. We don't want you to sleep. We want you to go to the fridge wholesale liquor and buy stuff that could make you sleep very soundly. That's it. That's the entire read. Head to the fridge. Go to the fridge. Tell them you love them. Fitz said go there. You are required by law to go to the fridge wholesale liquor. But only if you're 21 or over. Drink responsibly. And find a friend named responsible so you can drink with him all the time. On with your questions from Wabash Station. Ryan Gilbert has the questions in front of him. I do not what know what's about to be asked. I have no clue. I'll ask the they're basketball related. Okay. Zach Carlson. I will ask these. Zach Carlson is taking over. I will sit here and look pretty because Ryan Gilbert is our basketball guy and he's gonna talk basketball. And Ryan Gilbert's also pretty. Ryan Gilbert is also here. This is a podcast. (laughs) From Salt Hawk Cat. What is going on with the Naquan Tomlin situation? Will the Tomlin situation and lack of fan attendance at games drive Tang out of Manhattan? He does not seem too happy at the moment. Okay. Well, this one is for me. There you go. Uh, these are two wildly separate things. I'm, I'm not going to put everything out there right now in the Naquan Tomlin situation. I will say this. The absolute most important thing to happen with Naquan Tomlin over the next week or two is him graduating. Okay? If you're the head coach and you love your players, you want to make sure they get their degree. 
and they improve their lives beyond basketball because that little piece of paper can change generations. I'm not talking out my ass here. My dad did that for our family. He graduated college. He was from a family of oil field workers, Irish immigrants who worked in the oil fields of Oklahoma. Like I always say, when you work in the oil fields, everyone's the same color. And they didn't have many opportunities. He served in the military, came back, got his degree from Northwestern, thanks to the GI Bill, and changed everyone's life. Now there's just a baseline expectation. You go to college, my family. That's what it can do for Naquan's generations behind him, beyond him. And let's hope that happens. We need that to happen. That's the number one worry of this staff. And I think that tells you everything you need to know about this coaching staff. Their number one concern isn't getting this really talented and promising potential NBA player back on their team. They're worried about the kid, the young man. They're worried about where he's going. And that one bad decision on one night out that was a series of unfortunate circumstances that led up to him being where he was and how it was handled by everyone involved, including arresting officers, has led to him probably never playing basketball at Kansas State again, potentially, potentially. And that seems unfair to be judged by your lowest moment, to be told that you cannot make a mistake or everything you've worked for will be taken away. And those who set those rules better be prepared to live by those rules. And those rules aren't being set by this coaching staff. If you think they're, they're soft and coddle their players, they sat their, their starting center down a game ago for reasons that are far less. We don't even know what they were. Class attendance, I don't know. But McNair didn't play a game ago because of it. They, they are not soft on their players. To love someone like Jerome Tang does doesn't mean you accept everything they do. You teach and, and, and coach them. You improve them. You have expectations for them. And you also don't cast them out at their first mistake. Some weak people will cast people out. Some people who want to make things about them will make it about themselves and lose sight that they are exerting power over the powerless in a way that is disgusting to many. And they too need to be held accountable. Now, a lot of that was coded, but I hope they enjoyed hearing it because I'm sure they're listening. So that's the latest on that. The fan attendance thing, I'm stuck in the middle of this one. I know, you know, Jerome Tang said, you should come watch your team and not worry about the opponent. I get that. That sounded just like Bill Snyder. But those games were on a Saturday afternoon when you could drive to town and tailgate and have fun. And, man, you're tipping off a game at 7 p.m. Last night's game was 6 p.m. in the middle of the week. And most of your alumni base, a majority certainly, are coming from beyond an hour away. Or two hours away if it's Kansas City or Wichita. To get there for a weeknight game is a legitimate challenge. I have no problem with the people that can't make it. I have problems with the people who can't make it who don't get their tickets to people who can make it. And that's really where his bottom line is. I, I saw 
not a lot of open seats, but enough in the alumni section. And I couldn't stop but think it's kind of the holidays. This is a big game. How many families in Manhattan who can't afford to go to Kansas State basketball games, even if it's against North Alabama and there's seats open in the end zone for 10 bucks, that 40 bucks can be spent on something else for their family they need. How many of them would love the opportunity to go? And I hope Kansas State can sit up, set up a donation system and go through a charity or something that will get the tickets to maybe for Riley families or other less privileged families in this area. They, we've got to come figure out a way to get those tickets used, football and basketball. So, um, again, you know, he said it after the game, and some people really misinterpreted it. Part of loving, Jerome Tang said this, right, is having expectations. And and he has expectations for K-State fans. He called out the students. The students were brilliant. The, fan, the fans, including alumni, were great. There's just some open seats, and he just wants to see the seats filled. So don't get those two cross-bred here. Those are different things. Now, I'm just going to say this in a general sense, that if you are in a work environment and you don't have the support from a boss who is being unreasonable and exerting power over the less powerful just to do so because they – not because they can, but they're worried about how it looks for them. They've made it about them. And you stay in that job, that's your your fault, your problem. You just put up with it. But a lot of people, strong people, will get up and say, you know what? I'm going to go someplace where I'm trusted and I'm loved just as I love those who work for me. And that's where we're at with that situation in a general sense. Anything over there? Bravo. I don't know what else to add, man. You hit it all in the head. I'll say this about fan attendance. Uh, I think that a lot of the issue with tickets right now is you have a lot of season ticket holders that may or may not be from out of town. A lot of the reason people buy these tickets is to have the KU ticket, whether that's to use it for themselves or to sell it to a KU fan on the secondary market, whatever, make your money back so you can go to a few games. I think that's probably the big problem right now with how tickets are being sold to alumni. And it's unfortunate because there's one big ticket game and there has been for, you know, as long as I've been alive, that KU game is the most important game, whether you like it or not. And whether you like me saying this or not, that was K-State basketball fans Super Bowl was going to yep. the K-State KU game. And that is, I think the problem right now is that there are a lot of fans that still see their basketball season tickets and their donations as, hey, we're here for the KU game and maybe a couple conference games. And it's worth it to us because we can afford it. You know, and it's, it's unfortunate that K-State's making all the... The, the season tickets are sold out. Like, it's not like K-State didn't get their money. Nobody's using these tickets, though. That's It's one thing to buy it, but you're buying tickets to to exclude others for the for the status almost of saying, hey, I have K-State basketball tickets. I, I had a few people um, ask me some really good questions. Well, first of all, 
People want to know why it was last night at 6 p.m. We used to fill a Hearn Fieldhouse, and every game was midweek was 7 p.m. TVs changed everything. That game could have been 8 p.m., and then people would have had the opposite problem, right. getting back it's in too time late. to get in bed. Um, and that's just a reality, and and I get it. But I think that the cultural problem Kansas State fans have, and I sincerely mean this, is Bill Snyder did such an incredible job of teaching everyone how to be college football fans. And that football is a weekly event that is a celebration of your fandom. And that football doesn't end with the last game in November. It ends with the bowl game. And a lot of K-State fans now, maybe because in hand-in-hand with the football success came a lot of mediocre basketball They've trained themselves to not shift gears to basketball until after the bowl game. That's got to stop. But this is a stress point of any smaller fan base. Let's be honest. I mean, this isn't Michigan with, you know, just numerous fans. You know, even like the University of Iowa has an entire subset of women's basketball fans. Kansas State's just a little bit different. It's a little bit challenging. We... We see this alumni base that is spread out across a state because it's an agricultural fan base in many ways, and there's some real challenges here. But I'll, I'll again, this team and this coaching staff deserve your support. So if you do have tickets and you can't make the game, get them in the hands of someone who'll cheer for Kansas State somehow, some way. I have seen so many people not able to go to games and they get on social media. And if they tag me, I share it. If, if you're really a K-State fan and you want to support the team, quit looking to make a buck back. Just give them to anyone that will go and use that ticket and have fun. Help someone else, man. I mean, I had a concert I couldn't go to. I paid 200 and some bucks, well, 300 bucks for tickets to see Zach Bryan. I couldn't go. I'm I'm sure the person that ended up with them could have paid. No, go have fun. Here's an act of kindness. Just go have fun. My wife wasn't happy, but, you know, (laughs) hey. From came to elevate, what did we learn about the basketball team after the Villanova game that we didn't know before? Well, that's funny you ask, Zach. Our VIP subscribers got five things that we learned on Go Power Cat from Ryan Gilbert about the game. But uh, obviously, I don't know if there's a lot about one specific game, but we touched on this earlier with the fan engagement and stuff, the fans showing up, you know, Jerome tank challenged those fans to show up and they did. And, and, uh, and tanks team delivered, right? If, if tank, if K state loses this game by 12, 15 points, this conversation of fans showing up is never going to end. But now that they had a really impressive showing, it was loud. You know, they played sandstorm. This is what we're going to expect moving forward at least you hope and i believe that that's true that you'll expect that you'll see more from these from these fans but um tyler perry man he's he's on the same trajectory of what marquise noel was early on in his k-state career did he does he take a few too many shots at times absolutely does he start slow 100 percent. but he's got that dna in him he's got ice in his veins and he wants the ball in his hands in the waning moments of games when it matters most and he's hitting those clutch shots Noel, Zach, I mean, he frustrated every single one of us early on in his career in purple. And 
Perry's been the same way. You know, I was 1,000% ready to blame Tuesday's loss against Villanova on Perry if that shot doesn't go in at the end of overtime. But he hit the shot, and so it's a give and take. Um, you're you're going to have to go with those ebbs and flows of being a guard in college basketball. And Perry, you look back to Noel's, the beginning of his not only K-State career, but his Jerome Tang career as well in his second year. He he definitely had some ups and downs. And so right now, it's early December. Noel, K-State as a whole, didn't start to peak until later on once conference play hit. And so right now, it's it's not crazy to expect Perry to do the same thing. So we'll see. But obviously, we learned that K-State's capable now of, of winning some of these big-time games and showing up for big-time games, capable of buying in. Jerome Tang thought that this was his team's most consistent game of the year. Um, he mentioned that after the game. And so it's you know things are coming together. I outlined this before the Villanova game that we should not be hitting the panic button because there's a lot of basketball left to be played. When you're returning two players that played a single minute in the NCAA tournament last year, it's going to take some time. Do you think K-State wins in overtime at LSU this week? If the <laughs> K-State, I don't know what the best UCLA team that has ever been put together, or KU team, whoever it may be, oh. of the history of college basketball, K-State can beat them in overtime if they get to overtime. I just think it's, incre- it's, 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 it's incredible it's that he has a 3-0 record. That, well, this year, well, 3-0 this year and 4-0 record in overtime games this year. Yeah. He's completely undefeated. He's never lost in overtime. Nine. I think it's nine and zero. It's up to nine. I'm losing count because every game it changes. But I think it's crazy how many overtime games he's played in a season and a half, too. Yeah, but hey, I think it's it up near twenty percent now of his games. One out of every five has gone into overtime. Yeah. Last question on the podcast from Ghost State Kate: Does someone other than Tyler Perry need to be the point guard? I'm going to say no, and and here's why. Um, I'm. Deferring to the knowledge of Jerome Tang, who's been part of a national championship team, that you've got to have veteran guards to succeed at the highest level. Day-Day Ames is a more true point guard. He's still got some things to correct about his game, but I feel like Tyler can get there. But my concern is something I've said before. Does he have point guard DNA? Does he know how to create? I just think from what I've seen, this is a matter of this guy's thinking too much and not just playing. He's in a completely different system, going at a much faster pace than he used to, and he's handling the ball. And there's a learning curve, and the coaches are confident he will learn and he'll get there. When this guy relaxes and plays and just lets the game take its course at the end of the game, he's brilliant. But as any shooter will tell you, if you're wondering if the ball will go in, it, it's not going in. It might, but not consistently. And that's what we're seeing. He's just got himself in the shooting yips. And eventually that ball will feel perfect in his hands. It'll come out of his hand perfectly. And it'll start going in. And it'll go in effortlessly. You'll, you'll see those circus shots. Like someone's in your face and you're falling down. Everything gets back in. He'll get there. I'm not worried about that. But maybe alleviating some of his point guard duties at different times might be of great benefit to this team. I'll add this. Um, Quez Glover, when he comes back, this is going to change up some things with the guard room. Day-Day Ames, Tyler Perry, Quez Glover. Who's going to be the one and who's going to be the two? Right now at this moment, it seems that this staff is fully bought in on 
Perry being a one and learning how to play as a one, facilitate for others, because we know how much he can, how good he can be at scoring the basketball, but learning how to set up his teammates, he's still learning how to do that. He's never been asked to do this his entire life. So right now, and I'm not speaking for the coaching staff, I don't know what's going on in their meeting rooms. It appears that they are trying to get him to be a point guard, to play, to play at the one. I don't know if once Quez Glover comes back, if you let Glover and Ames just operate at the one, stick Perry at the two for 38 minutes a game and let him score because that is what he has done his whole life. And I get it. You want him to be like Marquise Noel. He's on that trajectory, like we mentioned earlier, of being a guy that can score and facilitate. But, I mean, he's at the end of the day, he's a scorer. That's all he's been his whole life is a scorer. And so once Quez Glover comes back, I I certainly think that we can maybe reassess this, and that might be something to ask Tang um, later on in December when Glover's back and, and playing, hey, you know, how much do you want Tyler Perry playing at the one when you have options like Glover and Ames, who if, if Glover is everything that we've been told, he's not going to be an amazing player. But if you could play 20 minutes a game, Ames has certainly proved he can play 20 minutes a game at the point guard spot. And he's been great. Why not put Tyler Perry at the two right now? That's not an option. I get it because you only have Ames. But right. once Glover's back and he assuming that he can kind of gel in there and not miss a beat. You've got a serious argument because you want to get all those guys' minutes um, to put Perry at the two strictly. Let him score. Does Glover? How many games do you think Glover's worth as far as wins? Uh, to this one or team? two, couple more. Yeah, throughout the entirety of conference of play. season. So I think I mean, that's, loses but, to Miami and USC. So to this point, I don't, I don't think he's changed. Anything. Okay, okay, but going forward, he's probably worth a couple of sure. couple of wins in conference play. That's it for the Powercat Questions podcast. We might be back with a live. There's so much going on in K-State sports. If it develops, we will be there. We might be on YouTube. We might be in a podcast. I might be shouting from my back porch. I don't know, but we will get it done. We'll let you know. Make sure you're subscribing to Go Powercat. 60% off right now at GPC. Don't mess around. Thank you for listening to the PowerCat Podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts.